Hi, I'm Frankie Frayne, and I've been making movies since I was a kid. I've made three low-budget feature films of varying success, and I went to film school. Twice. For better or worse, I've developed a science for completing feature-length projects on pocket change, and it has a lot to do with the kinds of conversations you'll hear on this podcast with teachers, friends, and artists. You don't have to pay 40 grand a year for bad advice. This is Discount Film School. Welcome back to Discount Film School. Um, we've talked to a lot of writers, a- uh, actors, directors, uh, people I've worked with, people I haven't worked with, but we haven't talked to anybody who, any filmmaker who my only relationship to them uh, professionally is that I was their actor. Uh, that's the, the today's guest, Adam Dio, director of Psycho Sleepover. Let's get the whole list, Adam. Uh, starting with Yeti, a love story. Oh, every movie. Yeah. Oh, hi, um, my name's Adam. Adam Dio. Uh-huh. Uh yeah, but, but Yeti was your not your first feature though, was it? No. Uh I well I did two that no one knows about that I did in high school. Talk about and those. Then, no. Um, <laughs> one, well, one was pretty pretty bad. It was called Project Horror and I had to uh never show it to anyone because it was about a guy in a ski mask and a trench coat who kills a lot of people at a high school. And it came so, out right around Columbine. You were making it that It came out before it. Oh, okay. Uh and then so I got rid of that movie. Yeah. yeah. Um it was also a comedy, so that was not, not – it was a horror comedy. And then I did another movie uh, called oh, – what was it? Saw Red. It was a, like a weird car chase kind of thing. That was pretty cool. We crashed cars and stuff, and I made it for like $25, the whole movie. Holy fuck. And then uh, freshman year of Emerson, I uh, did a movie called The Mental Dead, which is a zombie yes. movie. That's the one I remember. And – we can go into that one later. And then I did a movie called Yeti, a love story, mm-hmm. uh, which we will also go into later. Mm-hmm. And then street team massacre, psycho sleepover, uh, dead season, uh, one chance to dance, which is coming out soon. Uh, Birdemic two. Uh, did you direct Birdemic two or you just I produ- produ- I produced it? You produced. Yep. And, uh, I'm doing a new TV series called, uh, or, uh, not TV series, a web series called Oishi high school battle. So that's so the that's one the we f- just finished shooting yesterday. So that's the filmography, and yet, at least in this uh, Skype frame, the ones that you proudly display are Yeti and Street Team Massacre, which I think is kind of interesting. Well, <laughs> these are actually not proudly displayed. These are in the editing bay. Oh, we're the in the, sh- we're in the shit room. are outside. Yeah. <laughs> we're in an editing bay right now. So. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I was just going to say, I, I uh, when I was in Los Angeles, just to kind of give people an idea of, of how you and I know each other, um, we had a mutual friend, uh, Kurt Krober, yeah. who, uh, you had asked him to, which he was actually the most previous episode or maybe one before that, uh, was with him. And we talk about, the oh, mo- awesome. we talk about the movie quite a bit. Um, He's great. he and I kind of agree that like psycho sleepover, we, we, we ended up really kind of proud of it and we kind of dug it. Uh, we had a lot of fun making it and, um, yeah, we, I actually, I actually watch it like probably once a year and, and we kind of had a lot of fun, but, um. But Kurt was asked by you for some reason. Why did you ask Kurt to write that movie? Um, I actually don't remember. Uh, probably, I think we had been wanting to do something together, and I think he was going to be in it. Mm. And I, I don't know. I think I think the idea came from Eric Goslin, who was the co-director on the movie. I mm. think it was his idea, and me and him just were having trouble writing it. We wrote, I don't know, maybe 30 pages of it, and we didn't like it. Yeah. And I think we thought that Kurt was a lot funnier than us. So I think then we gave it to him. Right. I, that's what I recall. 
And then I think you, uh, Frankie, I think you wrote some of it too. Yeah. Um, after that, because uh, I still think that me and Eric thought we weren't funny. So I think that's really what it came from. I'm I can't remember. It was like in 2007. So or 2006. So well, it was my yeah. see. I I, I it, it's highlighted for me because it was my brief period of time in Los Angeles. So. You know, it's one of the few things I remember about like my six months in L.A. But um, Mm -hmm. but yeah, no, actually, I remember the first time I heard about you was Kurt was Kurt was pumped because you were going to make a feature. This was in college. Uh, This is a very this is a very vague memory. He was pumped because you were going to cast him in a movie where he was going to anally fuck um, Rowdy Roddy Piper in a bathtub. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, I that is absolutely true. But that wasn't in college. I think that was after college. Well, for you, it was. But we were still in college. We're younger than you. Oh, right, 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 right. Yeah. Yeah, I wanted him to that. It's not exactly what happens in that scene. But yes, he was supposed to play a, a, a hot tub boy, like a guy who cleans the hot tub. And Roddy was supposed to fall in love with him. And there wasn't going to actually be a sex scene. They get interrupted during it. So, mm. yeah. So it's a little far, a little off, but it was, uh, that was the idea. Yeah. Did you ever make that movie? So, we have not made that movie. I still want to. What's, it, co- what, what's great, it called? It's called Cannibal Soup. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. About, I totally uh, remember that. It's about swingers in the seventies uh, and hot tub parties. Right. So right. that's pretty much what it is. Well, his, I, I mean, still love to make it. You, yeah. you, you can imagine his excitement as like a 20 year old, film fanatic getting to like you know be in any kind of subversive scene with rowdy roddy piper uh famed wrestler and star of they lived and uh uh, with cameo appearances in some of your movies yes 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 he's in street team massacre and his daughter is one of the stars of psycho sleepover and she's one of the few people she's one of the few people i've made out with uh, beyond my wife oh wow well that's uh yeah, but you were a girl, so it doesn't really count. Right, at the right, time, right, right. The, yeah, the, that, yeah, that's the only way I can ever I can make out with anybody outside of Nina is it has to be a joke about how disgusting I am. That's the only way to like yeah. kind of make it work. But um, you were pretty vile in that movie. Yeah, oh, yeah. But I do agree. And in I want, a beautiful way. And I want some fucking credit for that because I that that, that was just a beyond shameless on my part, which I dug. Because <laughs> oh, I, you were great. You were you were my favorite part of that movie. Really. So. Oh yeah, absolutely. You and uh, when you were wearing heels, I cannot. I, I have that image in my ingrained in my brain where you walk away from us in heels. Oh yeah. And you're falling over, and your butt. You know, you can't really fit your tights over your butt and everything. Yeah. It's it's fantastic. You guys gave me tiny so. clothes, and I remember. I remember that was definitely not really an acting moment. I leaned into it a little bit, but I was yeah. I I can't walk in heels, let alone heels that are way too small for me and i just remember like having like foot pain for days but I, I, it, was, it was it was totally the shot came out hilariously um yay so uh so kurt writes it and then he yeah. and then he sends it out for notes and i'm you know we, we're in touch to this day and we always send each other our shit and uh i kind of i loved the jokes but i was like there there's lots of things you can do here to like just kind of combine characters and kind of just I don't know write right. write a more efficient script, mm-hmm. and uh, so mm-hmm. we so he was like, would you would you be willing to sit with me for a few days and just kind of punch it up with me? And yeah, we spent about three. We met with you a couple of times during that period, and we we just sat down for maybe two or three days straight, and we just cracked each other up. And I, I think a lot of the jokes survived. Uh, they do end up in the in the final film. 
Well, yeah, I, I remember the one thing is when we were doing it, we had so many characters in it. And so it, it's, I'm glad that it was you because uh, I didn't know. Um, but to cut out characters and we had twins or, or something like that. And we yeah. had uh, a black gen and a white gen. And then it was an ugly gen and a pretty gen. And it just turned into just ugly gen, which is just you. So yeah. Yeah. There, usually, there originally was a pretty gen. Yeah. Right. Uh, right. Right. And yeah, yeah. Ulti- ultimately we were like, doesn't, don't you really just need one ugly chick to steal the show? Isn't that all? Yeah, really exactly. Needed? And I don't remember. And since I, there is like 800 characters in that movie still. So there probably was 900 originally. So yeah. yeah. I don't remember Sorry. how or why I was finally cast, but I, I was thankful that you did it because uh, you could have easily, I think, I think we had to kill me a little early because I was going to head back to Boston by like December. Um, yeah, I think we shot everything with you in three days or four days. Yeah, yeah. nice, nice and quick. Um, so that was that. And, and so that, that, yeah, that's really, I think that's probably the last time we spoke was probably around that period. And then I, of course, listened to the commentary later and, uh, uh, let's see, I, (laughs) because I'm an egotist, I, I was, uh, of course was listening for any mentions of myself and Kurt was like, Frankie's married. He lost a bunch of weight and you were like, he and that Nick Telly guy don't get along at all. (laughs) I was like, it's totally true. Yeah. For some reason, the guy with the 3d glasses and I just weren't having each other. Oh yeah, I just saw him recently. He's still a good friend of mine. Really? So. I don't know what I don't yeah, I don't know what it was. You. Yeah, screw, <laughs> screw me, screw me, indeed. I don't know. I don't know what it was. I, it, I I have some memory of there was a scene where I had to take a staple gun to his chest numerous times. Yes. And I wonder if I was going too rough on him or something. Maybe he is kind of a pansy. I remember yeah. showing I remember I showing him it. I remember showing him my dick a few times too. Yeah, he probably liked that and got confused and then got angry about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, you know he, I mean? he, he kissed my testicles and then I was like, um, hey, this was supposed to be for the movie and then we were fighting the rest of the time. That didn't I, happen. I know it. I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. yeah. That's got to be it. Well, that's solved. So that's good. All right. So, Nick, if you listen to this, um, let's make another movie. So, All right. Uh, going back to – let's go back to let, – let's let's do the kind of A&E Adam Dio biography because you've been up to all kinds of cool shit and I, I kind of want to lead up to that. Um, oh, God. Were you I, – I, I, if I remember correctly, you were kind of – you had an upbringing similar to mine, which was like you weren't necessarily a huge film guy as a kid. No, no, not at all. I uh, didn't watch any movies until I was probably in high school. Yeah, uh, I had seen Star Wars, Indiana Jones, E.T., and um, Wind in the Willows. I, I really liked that movie when I was little, the cartoon one. Was it because uh, was it because your parents just bought you those VHSs and therefore that's what you watched? I think we taped them off TV actually, so oh, yeah. I only had those. Um, but we only had like a small TV, and you know, so I watched Star Wars a lot. But uh, that was pretty much it. So until probably I was a freshman in high school. And I saw, I remember the move, the first movie I ever rented was I was a freshman in high school and I rented Raging Bull. And that was, uh, that was the first one I watched. Then I ended up working at that video store because I loved Raging Bull so much. I was like, there's movies that are good. This is cool. That aren't Star Wars and Indiana Jones. Not that I don't like those. I love those movies. But uh, yeah, so then we, uh, I just watched everything. And then I watched probably about three movies a night, four movies a night and didn't sleep in high school at all and just watched movies. So was there, did you eventually hit one that was like, uh, because like Raging Bull is an awesome movie and it's one of those movies that I think kind of opens you up to like, oh, this is, this is something that, you know, this art form can be, but I'm not sure that it's the kind of movie that would make you want to make movies because it's kind of too well crafted for that. 
Yeah. No, I think the movie that did that was probably Evil Dead 2. That was like the, the thing. I, I was just like so excited about that movie. I saw that also when I was a freshman in high school and it blew my mind. Then probably Pink Flamingos and uh, Harold and Maude. Those are my favorite things. Dawn of the Dead also. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you, you hear that a lot about uh, the Evil Deads. Um, yeah, what, 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 Evil Dead 2 specifically. Yeah. What do you, what do you think it is about, about those movies and about Evil Dead 2? Uh, I think I, I think I know. Uh, I think it's because they're just really fun and it was done in a way that uh, you could tell that the person really loved what they were doing. That person being, I probably Sam Raimi and his, 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 his crew. But, uh, it was, uh, you just watched it and it just like, I don't know. It just kind of like blew your mind that, you know, people could have fun doing this and everything didn't have to be perfect and you could just do what you wanted and made something awesome that made a lot of people happy and it didn't and it was so out there and so crazy that you know you could he could do anything that's what he thought you know like oh i want to do anything i could do that too so was it, i think that's that too isn't it kind of interesting that you can sort of see the fun on screen like you wouldn't even need to watch a behind the scenes feature or anything like that to know the evil dead 2 was fun to make right exactly exactly that's you i mean you can just see it just like with the camera shots and everything, they just were doing whatever they could think of. They just did whatever they wanted. That's what it seemed like, at least. And it's very inspiring. So, so, so when you... I don't know. I don't you, know what it's like now. After I've seen the gift and stuff like that, I don't really know what to think. But, uh, you know, and for love of the game. But back then, there were some... He was doing some pretty awesome things. So, <laughs> the yeah. gift was a while ago, and Katie Holmes's tits are in, in that movie, so... Uh, yeah, yeah. And But she's a Scientologist. Or maybe not anymore. Who knows? Yeah, I don't know if it's so actually transmitted. Yeah. So, so, this is all kind of uh, high school era. You kind of you go into the video store, you start sucking up movies. Um, yeah, and I worked at the video store, so uh, yeah, I got to just watch everything. My, one of my favorite things to watch was Snow Dogs with the audio commentary, the Cuba Gooding Jr. movie. Oh yeah, that was very. Yeah, I actually did do that. I don't know why, but we loved the audio commentary it because it, audio commentary is like, why would they make an audio commentary for a movie that's so stupid and nobody cares about? And I thought it was very, very interesting, actually, too. Believe it or not, that's actually true. What does it? So. What, what, what does it contain? Like, what kind of tidbits? Uh, I don't remember that much, but I remembered really liking it and thinking, like, well, these guys actually care about making this crap movie, and I really like dogs. But uh, it just—it was also something that was pretty inspiring. I was just like, even the shittiest movies have people that care about it, you know. So yeah, no, I kind of like. So does that does that make a difference in terms of like you wanting to pick up a camera? Yeah, absolutely. Because you can, because then you you have freedom. You don't. It doesn't have to be a certain way, or it doesn't it doesn't have to be Snow Dogs or Evil Dead. You know, it, it can be it can be anything you want. So that's what's kind of exciting, and that's you can go to any opposite spectrum you know if you like michael bay you like michael bay and you can and he can do all these crazy things and but i don't but uh and then you can go to sam raimi then you can go to whoever the hell made snow dogs i doubt anybody knows but uh yeah when do you when do you when do you eventually try to make a movie when do you or when no when 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 did you uh when i was a freshman in high school i believe yeah that's when i um i we took a bunch of cameras from the high school. Um, There's like a locker that had VHS cameras and I had gotten a bunch of empty VHS tapes from my video store. And so it didn't cost us anything. So I thought, well, let's make something. So I wrote a horror movie 
um, and we shot it, and it was fun. And we made it. And we shot it in black and white, and it was, you know, I used chocolate syrup for blood and stuff like that, and it was really fun. And then everybody at my school was in it. And then as soon as we finished that one, because I couldn't show it to anybody because of what it was about, right. um, then we just made it. We just made another one that was uh, funnier, and then even more people were in it in my high school. And so everybody had fun, and everybody got to. You know, I was Adam, the movie guy, and I got to, you know, put everybody in the movie. And everybody was like, I want to be in it, I want to be in it. And it was really fun. So it's basically what I did all through high school was just make movies and not go to class and, you know, just make things. That was the best. So so this is another area where I think we kind of um, were kind of similar is one of your first projects that you ever tried ever was a feature. And I, it was the same for me. Yeah. And that's like pretty unheard of. I, I, this is the reason why I did it was because I, I, I was too stupid to realize you weren't supposed to make a feature. I saw all my favorite movies were an hour and a half long. So I was like, why would I make anything shorter? Right. Exactly. Yeah. So, it, well, I mean, technically, you know, I, I'm sure you did. You dabbled with little things before that, though, right? Did you just shoot like outside and shoot like you running around and anything like that home movies anything yeah it was it was like i did little cartoons like little stop motion cartoons and then exactly and yeah then, and then i was like okay i want to make this feature and then as i started to try to collect the resources to make that happen by consequence i made a bunch of short films yeah exactly yeah. so there you go yeah so i guess uh so yeah i mean so we did do a few little shorts i mean i, I made uh probably two hours worth of shorts in a way with my cousins at like our cabin, I did like stop motion car things and what else, uh, you know, just action figures like canoeing and things like that. And, you know, stuff with PSAs, fake PSAs and cooking shows and things like that. So, and, the, and, and, you, camera. Uh, and this was like your popularity didn't take a hit in any kind of way. Cause I've like, I've talked to a lot of people who were like the kids that were making movies in high school were kind of lame. Like, and I, I don't remember that being, I don't remember being completely lame, but I definitely remember having like a, a difficult time uh, relaying to somebody why I felt like I should do it or why I needed to do it. Um, I had the absolute opposite experience, I believe. Everybody that, was in? That everybody, yeah, everybody wanted to be a part of these things. So it was super fun. Um, I mean, all my friends from high, uh, from high school and before were all in my movies. And then the guy who started in that Project Horror movie that I said that we couldn't show because of what it was about. Yeah. He was just in my last movie. He's only been in two movies. He was in that movie, or he was in three movies. He's in that movie, The Mental Dead and Dead Season, a movie I made a couple two years ago. Yep. So, and he's only been in those. So, you know, we all still stick together and still make these things whenever people are available. So, do you still yeah. have? And you, everybody. Yeah. Do you still have copies yeah, of, that, of that? Do you still have copies of that oldest stuff? I do. I do. That's awesome. I, I mean, no, I don't. I don't. No. <laughs> do you really not? <laughs> I do, but nobody can know that. Yeah, okay. It, 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 not, hearing this now. not for public consumption, but... It, yes, it, I do have them. I it do does have exist, them. yeah. Yeah, I, I actually, just a couple of years ago, I copied everything to uh, a hard drive so I could put them onto DVDs just so I would never lose them in case I ever wanted them. Yeah, so, yeah, for sure. But they're on VHS, so they were pretty in pretty bad shape, so yeah. Yeah, especially if you watched but, them a uh, few times, huh? Mm, uh, I haven't, but, uh, yeah, you know, they still, they get dusty and shitty. So, yeah, but no, I, ha I have them all. And now they're on DVDs just for my own personal use or to show, you know, nobody. Yeah. So then, so you so made, you don't get to see it. So you made the, the Columbine, um, accidentally Columbine inspired movie and then you made, a, a, uh, yeah, 
it wasn't like a school shooting. It was just, it was a it was a uh, it just happened that the the killer you know it was a slasher movie. It was like I know what you did last summer. Right. But it just happened that the guy was in a high school and had a trench coat. So it had nothing. There's no guns or anything, but it was enough to make me really uncomfortable. So yeah. You was, you were always really proficient with um, like homemade special effects, uh, blood splatters, all that good stuff. Um, did you start learning that around that point? Did you get good at it? Uh, yeah, I never got good at it. I'm still not good at it. I can, I can do, I do it out of necessity, but, um, just when we don't have money to shoot things or have special effects people, but yeah, I just learned because there was no internet. So I just had to look at, you know, evil dead and say like, I wonder how they did that. So we just have to try and figure it out and test things in the backyard and make dry ice bombs and things like that. Um, so, but yeah, uh, really where it came from is when I did the pencil dead in college, I, uh, had never really watched any zombie movies aside from Dawn of the Dead. And if you want to consider Evil Dead a zombie movie, which it's not really. But, um, and I met this guy at a video store. I went in there and I said, hey, I want to make a zombie movie. He was just the clerk there. And I said, I want to make a zombie movie. Can you recommend some zombie movies? He's like, I love zombie movies. Me and him became really, really good friends. Mm. Um, and he ended up doing the special effects. This guy from the video store, uh, there's a kinship between video store clerks. Um, and he... Uh, yeah, he, he made all my special effects and he used real pig guts and all that. And he taught me a lot of stuff uh, from that. Strangely enough, years later, uh, when I made this Yeti movie, years after I made the Yeti movie, I got a call from Troma. And uh, somebody was like, hey, Adam, uh, this is, you know, Matt from Troma. Uh, we, you know, we're doing your box art and stuff. And I was like, oh, yeah, great, great, great. And I was like, and he's like, do you remember me? And I was like, Matt who? And he's like, I'm the guy who did the special effects for the mental dead, you know, oh, wow. seven years, six years ago. And he's the guy who works. He, he, he's the acquisitions guy still at trauma right now. And I talk to him, I don't know, once a week. And he's the guy that I met at the video store 10 years ago. So it's kind of cool. That's incredible. Uh, 11 years ago. That's incredible. Yeah, so, and now we're, we, and we, we work together every once in a while too. Still, so, so he's a filmmaker as well. Yeah. He's uh, me and him are trying to make a couple things together at the moment and uh he's uh you know produced lloyd's newest movie which is return to class in newcomb high and yep. uh stuff like that so did, yeah, I t- did, uh, did i tell you i was on the set of return to newcomb high you went to niagara falls i did um oh wow not in, <laughs> not in search of jesus or anything it was um uh, i have a uh, the writer of my next feature was doing a documentary on lloyd very ironically um and, uh, and he want, he, you know, we were becoming friends somewhat and he wanted me to cam up. And so, uh, we went out there for a weekend and, and actually we did it to s- test whether or not we could stand one another for making an entire feature after that. And, uh, and we totally could, but it was, it was, um, it was pretty, it was pretty awesome to, uh, you know, I, I grew up with that shit. I, uh, you know, trauma was one of those early movies that, you know, like you for, for evil dead too. Their movies, I could see, I could see through the production, and I could see the fun they were having. And uh, uh, I, I can't say that I'm that I I keep up with them well now. But when you're 14 to 17 years old, that's that's the, exactly the kind of shit you should be watching and enjoying, uh, if you want to make low budget yep. stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, funny thing is, I, I actually inadvertently worked on uh, a couple of scenes from Class of Newcomb High as well here in LA when they did pickups over here. Oh, did you? So we did a scene with. Yeah, we did a scene with uh, Mark Neville Dean, the guy who did Ghost Rider 2 and uh, Crank. And uh, sh- I shot a scene uh, with Lloyd for with Stan Lee, which was pretty cool. So he, he, and he plays like 
he's the he does all the voiceover in the movie. He's like the the narrator. So it's a small, that's pretty cool. And I got to meet Stanley. Yeah, it's kind of a small world in a in a weird way. Um, you hang around long enough making these kinds of films, and you sort of eventually meet one another. I was surprised you and I never met uh, until after you had graduated. That was kind of strange. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I uh, we we li- we didn't live on campus, so we were we were away. Yeah, I knew Kurt. So there's the division. That was, that was good enough for me. At least we knew Kurt, so then I could meet you. So there. Yeah. It right. Was great. <laughs> so so mental dead. Um, yeah. this is the, now do you, th- that was a, a sole directing credit for Adam Dio, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so talk a little bit about the production of that movie. I mean, these are, each one of these are, is a feature and, and we all know that feature yeah. features have sort of, um, even if shot quickly, um, lots, a lot goes into them. So it's, it's, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure we're just glossing over the details. Um, yeah. So the mental bed, uh, you know, it should have been a lot. I, I actually really like that movie. I think that's one of the better things that I've done because it's pretty short and sweet. Yeah. Um, it's it's only like an hour long or something. So I guess it's not really a feature, but um, maybe it's a little more than an hour. I can't remember. But uh, it's a very short feature. So um, so it's really easy to watch. Um, but uh, that movie we made for $80. Uh, I know that because I found the receipts recently because I keep all of my old receipts. It was made for like, $79 or something like that because we paid for food and gas for people right. um, and, fake, and fake blood. But uh, that we, was going to be a bigger movie. I uh, There's this place called, uh, let me see if I can remember, Metropolitan State Hospital in Waltham, Massachusetts. Yep. And it was an old uh, mental institution, I guess you'd call it, or uh, that they uh, shut down in the 90s, I think. And it was abandoned. And I used to go take pictures there like early in the morning and sneak past the security guards and do all that and it was my favorite place it had underground tunnels and like uh swimming pools and art galleries and they must have shut down the the hospital when it was uh christmas time because there's christmas decorations everywhere from 20 years later and um i guess it wasn't 20 years later but uh at the time maybe 15 or so anyway i want i called the movie the mental dead because it was going to be about zombies in a mental institution and uh we got all these permits to shoot there and my friend's dad is a lawyer and he got uh, all the documents signed and everything. And right before, and we were getting generators and we were actually going to spend some money on it. And right before we went into production on it, the uh, hospital said we couldn't do it because it just had gotten sold to this new company and there was liability issues. So we were really sad. So anyway, we put the movie on hold, but then we decided, Hey, forget it. Let's not have any money and let's just make it anyway. And let's just shoot in random places. And so we just made it anyway and just changed the script. So that was it. And never, cha- it. And never changed the title. No, because it's a cool title. Yeah, no, <laughs> it, it, I think so. <laughs> it is a cool title. Did you, uh, and, and you got uh, you weren't distributed by Troma on that one, but you did get distributed. Yeah, it's actually the movie that I've made that, based on the budget, has made the most money. So um, I think it made uh, around – it was made for $80 and it made around six or $7,000. So that was kind of cool. That's a huge, that's a huge <laughs> net yield. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, exactly. So, so yeah, somebody released it. Uh, and, uh, I don't know if it ever really, you know, came out, but I still, uh, I had it on my MySpace page like a long time ago when MySpace was a thing and it had a mental dead page and I still get requests for it. And, you know, people send me $10 and I'll burn a copy of it and mail it to them. Oh, so, so the, so the rights are back with you and now you, um, you're the one who kind of distribute distributes it when people are interested. Yeah, I mean, like, no one else can get it anywhere else, so why not, you know? Sure. So, 
So I they did. can so they can still totally yeah. contact you on Facebook or something if anybody wants to watch that movie. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> I don't know if the MySpace page is still there, but uh, I mean I've gotten requests for it as, as recently as like nine months ago. So it's kind of funny. That's hilarious. <laughs> um, yeah. And so then, so so, do you make Yeti after you graduate from college? No, we did it uh, during college. Uh, we did it our junior year, I think, of college. Um, we were doing like our, or maybe senior year. We were doing like all our serious senior shorts. You know, like we were doing like you know everybody had to do like thing on film, and we were getting really frustrated with it. So yeah. one day we went camping. Me and Eric Gosselin went camping. Eric Gosselin being the co-director, and uh, we said, you know, it would be funny if we made a movie about you know, a Bigfoot that was, you know, attacking us while we're camping. And we're like, yeah, let's do it. And then we just did. So that's where it came from. Uh, and uh, we had our friend Moses. We Eric and I wrote the uh, story. And then me and this guy Moses wrote the screenplay. And, uh, yeah, then we made that movie and didn't think it was ever going to go anywhere. But then Troma picked it up. And I don't know if you've noticed recently, but it's become very, very popular. Have you noticed that? No, I haven't. Yeah, it was on. Uh, it's on the uh, just a couple months ago. It was on the front page of uh, Reddit, twice. Really? Um, it was on the front page. Yeah, it was on the front page of BuzzFeed Imager. Uh, it was on uh, uh, like it was on all these Tumblr things. It's been a pretty what are they? Uh, pretty big topic on Twitter, and people are watching it like crazy. We're getting all these emails about it. People are asking. You know, everybody's calling Eric Goss or text. Uh, texting jesus he's emailing eric gosselin about things for it and everybody's going nuts over it we get things we all of a sudden in the last like few months we've been getting all this fan mail like hundreds and hundreds hundreds of things so but just being on the front page of reddit twice in a month was pretty crazy yeah so and not just the subreddit it was on the front page it was like the third thing down it's a scrap so. it's a scrappy little movie what do you think uh do you think it's just it's it's fucked up you know the Exactly. Yeah, yeah, it was everybody was saying just like what is this? It it's on on demand now, so you can watch it on like something called Xfinity and mm. people just went crazy over it. So uh I would like to announce then also the next movie we're making is Yeti Love Story Two, Life on the Streets. Holy fuck. So, so we're are you gonna make it yep. under the same circumstances? Uh you, the two of you directing for a really low budget or yep. yeah. Correct. Yeah, it's the exact same thing and uh the whole cast is coming back, even the people who are are popular now and famous so uh which is kind of funny ugly but, gen, uh, yeah, ugly gen ought to be in there somewhere <laughs> uh you, you're more than welcome to come out and be in it it's uh it's, it's a vile vile the new movies i don't want to give away anything but it's going to be uh way more disgusting than the first one so, so you're basically and we're just going to do it for fun yeah yeah so. yeah so you're basically taking the uh the feedback of like people love how fucked up it is and cranking the dial up yeah, exactly. We just decided, well, if people want to see it, and maybe they don't, but whatever, we're going to have fun making it. So it was, uh, you know, validation. It's like, oh, well, we've had this idea. We wanted to make a sequel right after we made the first one and never did because we were so mortified by how much everybody hated the film. Yeah. I mean, people hated it. They said, you know, we got death threats and things because of how people who saw it, I don't even know how they did, but they did. <laughs> and uh, But now people are liking it. So I don't know. So. We just took our old treatment that we made, wrote nine years ago and uh, wrote a screenplay. And the uh, screenplay's done. Uh, I'm actually it's getting coverage right now in the room behind me. So uh, it's, uh, we're really excited about it. But yes, yeah, you love story too, Life on the Streets. Did you, <laughs> Life on the Streets? Did you, did you write yeah. the screenplay, you and Eric? 
Uh, no, Eric Gosselin and Jim Martin wrote it. I did not write it. Oh, wow. uh, I uh, I came up with a story with them. So it's the stories by the three of us, and they wrote the screenplay. And it's one of the funniest things I've ever read. I couldn't breathe when I was reading it. I was laughing so hard. So I'm <laughs> well, really excited. I'm really excited. Yeah, and you'll, so, you, you guys about, you guys are cloning. Oh, it's it's not a clone. Yeti, it's about Yeti cloning. So Yeti cloning. That's, that's, that's a, yes. Yes. So, so you guys, you, you guys are going to be bringing a lot more. Uh, uh, I mean, you've developed as filmmakers a lot since you made the first one. Oh yeah, but it's going to look the same. Don't worry. <laughs> look, no, it's going to be. It's going to look the damn same. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so very shortly at this point now, you're making a habit out of just cranking features out. Like that. Don't look behind. Just keep making new stuff. Right. That's what we're trying to do. Yeah. 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 Well, I, I mean, even, even that early on, that seemed to be sort of your strategy. Like it seemed like you didn't spend much time, uh, uh, reflecting on the movie you had just made before just going right into the next one. And I've always, uh, exactly. I, I, of course I admire that. I, I, I sort of do the same thing. Um, and, 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 and the only thing that allows you and I and anybody else to do that is to keep these budgets super, super low. Um, right. right. And a lot of people, I mean, a lot of people have a real tough time wrapping their heads around the idea that you can make a feature for, for this kind of cash. I mean, certainly like the the horror genre and the campy horror genre, like it, it the low budget is very appropriate for that. But I think that like, I mean, honest to God, like I, I, I really think that people overblow what they think that they need to spend on movies is in some in a lot of ways. I think that people validate the, you know, their their project. Uh, they, they feel like their project isn't valid unless a big budget is attached to it in some way. Mm-hmm. Well, the one thing I can say about that is if you have something like a Yeti movie to make, there's no way, reason to make it a big budget because you're just going to lose money. Yeah. You know, it's just and you can't you know, we have to survive and everything. But, uh, yeah, we're not going to nobody's going to get paid on those things, you know. Yeah. But when I do like something like Dead Season and stuff, I mean, everybody gets paid and you have to because it's a job, you know, and so we have to. You know, I think that's where the budget things come from. If you have the ability to make something for free, why not? But, you know, you can only do that so much before people start saying, hey, uh, I'm busy. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, don't yeah, wanna, I can't yeah. help you anymore. Well, unless you, yeah, unless, so. unless you have sort of a, 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 you know, a core crew of people that you always work with who always look forward to doing this. Right. I mean, that, that's, a t- that's a tough group and a tough set of relationships to maintain. But, but it, you know, I've certainly have done yeah. it. And I, I don't know, like going into the next movie, which is yet another labor of love. Um, I don't know to hire somebody to work on the movie. I'm not, I'm not sure I would want that kind of relationship for the sort of project I'm making. Um, yeah, it depends on, it's, it absolutely depends on the project, you know, yeah, so it yeah. absolutely depends on that. Yeah. So, so that, so then, yeah, but for, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, nothing. Oh, okay. Um, so then up next was Street Team Massacre. And before you talk about it at all, Street Team Massacre, um, if if nothing else, and I'm not saying there is nothing else, but if nothing else, uh, it has a theme song that I've had like on my iPhone for years and, and will still <laughs> will still occasionally queue up. And tomorrow morning I'm recording a podcast with Rob Morrison who who wrote and uh and performed that that uh, theme song. Yeah, it's a great song. I believe it's called Wait, uh, girl, girl, you uh, got to drink, drink me up. Drink me up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a great song. It's like a, a rock and ballad. Yeah. Um, um, valid- yeah, that song's great. We did a yeah. Validate this. Did you have something to do with get? Did you have something to do with getting that song to us, or was it Jeb? No, it was it was it was, it was all Jeb Heil. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. But, uh, but um, uh, that- probably nobody here knows who Jeb is. But Jeb was one of the actors in in 
Street Team Massacre. So there's that for you. Right, and didn't he, did, didn't, didn't he write it as well? Um, yeah, he helped write it. Yes, he did. Yes, uh, right. Eric Gosselin wrote 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 it mostly, but uh, then yeah, me and me and Jeb did some of it too. Yeah. Yeah, he was he was another mutual friend of uh, uh, of mine and Kurt's. Right. Yeah, and he was great. He that's the only thing that uh, he was ever a part of with us because he uh, he moved away. But we wanted him to be in Psycho Sleepover, and he just wasn't around when we did it. So we had to give the give the acting job to somebody else. Yeah. Sad. But. He's a very yeah. he's a very funny guy. Um, he uh, he's been a part of a lot of. Uh, dumb little projects over the years with Kurt and with their comedy uh, sketch group. And they made a great little movie a long time ago called uh, what's up talking bicycle. Um, yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah. It's a great, that's great. Yeah. Where uh, Kurt plays the rapist. Guy. Yeah. Yeah. And this yeah. basically this little, this sort of, um, you know, children's educational type of bicycle um, brings unconscious children to Kurt's junkyard for, to get raped by Kurt. And uh, mm-hmm. and and Rob Morrison, uh, performer and writer of the of Drink Me Up, um, does the voice of the bicycle. So that's <laughs> I've always. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, that's very interesting. Yeah. All right. Well, what's up? Talking bicycle is one of my favorite movies, so everybody should check it out. <laughs> I haven't seen it in a very long time, though. I think so it's on YouTube. Maybe I'm wrong. I, I maybe think, it's terrible. I think I think it's in some you know highly compressed version on YouTube from like the early YouTube days. Oh, that's the that's the best way to watch it. I I assume. Right? Yeah, it is for Unless sure. It's on VHS. Yeah. So awesome. So, yeah. so Street Team Massacre, um, if I recall, had I think you kind of you you um you stepped it up in terms of the special effects a little bit on that one. I mean, again, of course it's campy, but quantity. I remember there being a, like by the time you get to sixty percent into the movie, it's just nothing but splatter effect after splatter effect, and it's a lot of fun. Oh, good. Yeah, I, I actually, yeah, I, I think a lot of the gunshots in that movie look pretty good. I mean, for what they are, they're not squibs; they're just tubes running up people's shirts, but with insecticide pumps underneath. But yeah, I, I thought they were pretty good. Uh, that movie we made for nothing as well, um, so we didn't have a budget. <laughs> so, <laughs> but we we bought some guns, and that was pretty much it. And again, the dry ice bombs. We use the same stuff. I still use the same stuff now. So yeah, I should probably but ask. Actually, yeah, I should probably ask um, who edits the movies. Uh, I, I do. Yeah, I've I've edited all of them. You're kind of the sole. Um, you're kind of the sole editor. Yeah, um, yeah. For all of those ones, I edit all of them. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, the new ones I haven't, but I've edited. I've co-edited them. Do you do you like edit as fast as you produce? I mean, are you just like cranking through the edit? Yeah, I just usually sit for like, you know, I don't sleep and I just edit, 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 and then I'm usually done. And then it's usually pretty bad. And then I go, I sit, I don't do anything for a couple of weeks and I go back to it. That's pretty much how it goes. And then you call it done. Um, and then the, no, and then I have, you know, a little, my friends come in and do a little focus group and then I fix the things I don't like and I do it again until everybody likes it. So yep. just with the people I, just with the people I care about. So, yeah. Right, right. Because a lot of people have, uh, you know, a big focus group and I don't care what those people say, but uh, the people that I trust, you know, I have them come in and look at it and say, is this too much? Is this too slow? Is this too boring? You know, yeah. um, I've been, I've been making a lot of very slow movies recently, so uh, <laughs> we had to speed it up. <laughs> so that's what mostly they've been doing. Yeah, I, mean, I want to get back to Street Team, Street Team Master for one second, because uh, there's a funny thing about the, uh, about the, how much the movie costs. Yes. Um, we shot at a like an actual filming location where we needed permits and everything, and uh, we couldn't afford the permits. 
Uh, so we lied about them and pretended that we were film students. I had Kurt, actually, this guy that was on your podcast before. He was at Emerson, and he pretended that he was directing the movie so we could get the, 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 the insurance through Emerson. And then we couldn't afford the location fees, but we needed this location. So I said, can we do a job? Can we, like, work for you instead? So a bunch of my friends went out there, and we built uh, uh, staircases for their cabins. And we went out for four days and for four days of manual labor with like five of us going there to work, we got a free location. So, oh, wow. so, so that's, a, that's a very good way to be able to make no budget movies if you do manual labor for people. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a sort, yeah. it's a sort of compensation. Exactly. So yeah. sadly the place burnt down and our stairs are gone now, but oh, bummer. Yeah. Yeah. For anybody who, who wants the details, just a, there's a quick thing on because some people are, are curious about this kind of stuff. The whole insurance deal. Um, when it comes to uh, asking for locations and finding locations, most of them, most especially private um, companies and private property, uh, you can normally go up to whoever owns that property or whoever, whoever the property manager is. Just ask, you know, tell them it's going to be a day. It's only going to be a few people or whatever. Try to keep it small. And they'll say yes. But on occasion, especially yeah. if, like if you're going to go to uh, like a school or especially if the school is in session when you want to do it or anything like that, mm-hmm. um, or if there's a, an unsafe space, they're going to ask you for your certificate of insurance, which basically says, um, you know, that the the property is not liable for your safety or your or your equipment safety. Um, right. And that you'll take. Uh, the responsibility for any damages to their property that you create. That's essentially what it is. And, uh, and getting a certificate of insurance, I think minimum is like a $500 fee um, for one location. So it's really cost prohibitive for the kind of stuff that we want to do. But if you are lucky enough to, to be able to go to film school, uh, at least Emerson college where Adam and I went, um, they will, because they're handing you film equipment, they have to insure their own equipment anyway. So they they already have certificates of insurance for, uh, for the property that you have, and they'll they'll they will cover you for school related film shoots. So you'd basically just have to make your shoot related in some way to your school, um, or pretend that it is. Yeah, pre- that, that's what kind of what I mean. Um, yeah, and and yeah, I've only had to do that maybe once or twice, but it came in real handy when I did. Yep, me too. Yeah, we we need because a lot of things it can be very expensive. So yeah, yeah. absolutely. I mean, you're not likely to break anything. I mean, granted, I've never really made like off the hook horror movies. I mean, you guys are doing a lot of physical stuff. I guess there's more of a danger there. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, (laughs) we are you know, we're lucky we got away with what we did at the time. I mean, uh, another movie I did, we shot in Puerto Rico and we did get insurance for that. But that's because there was we're shooting in Puerto Rico. There were tarantulas. There were Spiders, uh, not, I know tarantulas are spider, not spiders, uh, centipedes. There are these centipedes that could kill you. We were running through the jungle and rainforest in the middle of the night. So everybody got hurt. People got stung by jellyfish. There was terrible things happened. So it was very good that we had insurance. Nobody really cared uh, that they got hurt. But uh, <laughs> we got attacked by fire ants and bees and all kinds of things. So, yeah, it happens. And then, you know, you never know if one person on your crew, if they're not a tight-knit crew, somebody might get angry and then they'll, they'll get in trouble. Right. So you got to be careful. Right. So, um, so I get, we didn't even talk about what streets, what the plot of street team massacre is. It's basically about a, a, a street team selling, um, like a protein drink or, or war, warring, uh, protein drink sellers on the street. 
um, and it turns into a bloodbath, right? Yes, yeah. It was uh, it's like basically Red Bull or something like that. Yeah. They're energy drinks that they're selling. One's an eco-friendly energy drink, and the other one's like for you know bros. And so yeah, and then, then it turns out one of the juices gets tainted by Lloyd Kaufman, and uh, it makes people grow unibrows and want to kill everybody. Kind of another zombie movie, it's, yeah. But it's like more like Twenty Eight Days Later style, so not more infected people, not zombies. But, yeah. Uh, but made made a lot of zombie movies, so that's pretty much it. But we just didn't have any money for makeup, so we just stuck uh, fuzzy unibrows on people. <laughs> pretty much it. I like the unibrow idea so, quite a bit. I, I dig that. Yeah, they. It's just like they grow hair all over their body. It's just like you turn into like you know testosterone. Because I heard one time that Red Bull was made from bull semen, mm. like. Uh, uh, something called taurine. I don't actually know what that is, but uh, sounded kind of funny. And I was like, "Well, if you're drinking so much taurine that you just like turn into a Neanderthal and start killing people," I thought that was kind of funny. So that's where it came from. And Roddy so. Roddy Piper is in that movie for a moment. Yeah, he plays a delivery boy. So how <laughs> so how did you uh, meet him? How did you develop a relationship with Roddy? Um, I was a art. I was in an art department on a movie that he starred in, and he didn't like to talk to anybody on set except for me. So we had lunch every day together. And we just became friends and that was it, you know, and we started, he started, he started calling me and we hung out and would have dinner together. And then I asked him if he wanted to be in my cannibal soup movie. And he said, yes. And we had a lot of meetings about that and, uh, with the producers of it, which ended up not happening sadly, but, uh, yeah. And we just became friends and I became friends with his daughter and his daughter's boyfriend. And he ended up shooting psycho sleepover mm-hmm. and she ended up starring in it. And, uh, yeah, and we're still in touch now. So, yeah. What, what was the guy's name? A Rod or A Ron or something? Aton. Aton. Yes, thank you. Yeah, uh, he was a nice guy, and he shot a nice looking movie. Yeah, he uh, he uh, he did a great job, and uh, yeah, I, I don't see him very often, but you know, once every couple months, I see him. So he's uh, he's been doing his own things too, and he's doing a lot of special effects now, doing a lot of uh, digital effects. So did, that's what mostly he does. So did you up to that point? Did you? Um, switched it up for each movie with which director of photography you were working with? Was it always always a different guy? Uh, usually Eric and I just shot them, but we realized we were terrible. So, yeah. So, so well, was- we already knew we were terrible, but we only did it, again, out of necessity. As soon as we could trick somebody into shooting something for us, we always would because we knew we were awful. Yeah. But, again, we didn't really care. We just wanted to get the movie made. You know, that's what the most important thing was for us, even if it didn't look great. So- now I care a little bit more about that. But, no. uh, you know. But not for like Yeti. We don't care how that's going to look. So, <laughs> are you guys going to shoot that? Um, you kind of have act- to. Well, yeah, we're going to sh- we're going to shoot some of it. Um, I have my my regular DP is going to shoot it. He's doing it for free. So, but he's going to use a fake name. So it'll be awesome. What but I- obviously you could look look it up who he is and <laughs> find out right now. <laughs> yeah. I, I only ever shot my first feature. I mean, I shot a lot of shorts and I've shot a lot of things since then. But in terms of the feet of the features. Um, you know, once I did Abo, uh, Doug Bergdorf was the cinematographer, and I never went back to shooting my own shit ever again. Uh, I really, I, I really like working with a DP. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's too hard to do, you know, <laughs> without it, and then everything looks so awful. But again, certain sometimes a movie looking awful isn't a bad thing. It's just, you know, usually it is. <laughs> yeah, right. Normally. Sometimes it's not. <laughs> um, it, for me, it just takes it takes the pressure off of you know. It's like, look, you're you're you just are more talented than, talented than I am. Here's basically what I need from you. 
Uh, can you do that? Yes. Okay, great. And, um, it, yeah, it, it, uh, it's, it's offloading a major responsibility of the film so that you can focus on performances and, and, uh, comedy timing and all the yep. things that directors have to you know be conscious of. Yeah, you should never shoot your own thing. But, you know, if you have to, you, you have to. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it, and, and I love that notion of like what, you know, sometimes a decision is, you know, the difference between making a movie and not making a movie. And, uh, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, so why not? And I completely forgot that you, yeah, now, now you've reminded me, you were working when, while you were living in L.A., you were working on a number of movies in their art department, sort of, you know, big budget union pictures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I did that for a while just to pay the rent and everything while I was in because you don't make we haven't made very much money making our movies so yeah we had to do that I haven't done art department in a while sometimes I do it every once in a while when I, if a friend asks me to do it what do you do but, uh, what do I do for what for for for, uh, for art department I mean are you special effects are you um, uh, set decoration uh, I usually just art direct uh, build build sets uh, I, I I just work with the just I only work with one person. He's my uh, my friend Ethan, and if uh, he, if he asks me to do something, I usually will do it if I'm available. So, but it's usually just for fun, and I usually do it for free for him. You know, I just work on whatever he's working on. So. Well, then you're obviously good at it. So like, when I asked about like uh, you know the the blood effects and stuff like that, you were like, well, I was never good, but you know, I had to do it anyway. But you're obviously artistically inclined in that way. Uh, yeah, I, I enjoy doing it. It doesn't, you know what I mean. I enjoy yeah. doing it, but. Uh, it's not something that I think I excel at in, in any way, shape, or form. But if somebody's but, cl- if somebody's clearly hiring you to do it, then somebody thinks you're good at it. Oh well, that's good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so we so we talked about um, Psycho Sleepover quite a bit already, and people can and I would encourage them to uh, to go grab that from Troma uh, or on Amazon.com or wherever else. Um, because yeah. it's it's got all your favorite people in it. It's got Kurt Krober, Frankie Frayn, Roddy Piper's daughter, uh, <laughs> the occasional boobs, uh, Murder Pizza. There's a great little scene uh, yeah, where they're watching a horror movie called Murder Pizza, and and big floppy titties are in that scene. And and and, and Chingy, the rat, the the rapper from long ago, he was the guy in Murder Pizza. So. What's the guy's name? Chingy. Yeah, I'm too white. Sang- I'm too white. He sang a song called Right There that was really popular. So. I don't know. You can look it up. It's R-I-G-H-T-T-H-U-R-R, I think is what it is. Right there. There. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that was – I mean the, I, I do think that that movie uh, looks a little sharper, uh, cuts a little tighter than your previous work. But it wasn't any more expensive, was it? No, it was the same. We, we made yeah. it – and we made that one for around $1,500. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, that's about the area I work in. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, – yeah, and the street team was like fourteen hundred, I think, or something like that. So I remember we shot in who's what was it Ryan Martin's apartment? Yeah, the producer slash one of the stars mm-hmm. uh, apartments uh, uh, house. It was his house in uh, in Compton or not yeah, Compton, something like something that. like that. Yeah, it's where they shot Boys in the Hood. Right, so, right, yeah, <laughs> and where the Black Dahlia. You see, it all comes back to Cuba Gooding. Yeah, absolutely. Always uh, Snow Dogs is. <laughs> A masterpiece, and everybody needs to know that. At least the actually, I don't really even know if that's a good movie. I don't know if I've actually, actually ever watched it without an audio commentary, so I have no <laughs> idea what that movie is. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, but uh, I, yeah, I remember, uh, you know, it was one of those things where it's like you're gonna make a, a fairly physical horror movie in somebody's living space. So, uh, uh, the, the occupant, so his, you know, he obviously was full in, but his roommate was, uh, you know, cautiously, um, uh, generous. 
Yeah, for a while. For for a while. while. And I remember during, not even during a fucking take, during a rehearsal, I'm getting into my character. I'm, you know, trying to be a murderous psychopath. And I totally break a window. Yes, you did do that. That was, uh, but that was weird. You didn't, you just were knocking on it. And it just scattered. So it's an old house, you know. Right. Yeah, that was right in the middle of, uh, right in the middle of that. Yeah, and we had to, but nobody cares. We just put a piece of cardboard up and we kept shooting. So I bet Nick, I bet Nick Tully, your best friend, cared. He probably came over, started sucking on my penis. <laughs> uh, yeah, he probably did do that, but I, 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 I wasn't there for that. I was probably busy fixing the window. So. Yeah, very, very likely. I felt bad. I, I, I'm, I'm trying to remember if I was uh, in any way injured. I don't think I was. No, you definitely weren't. Yeah, no. Ryan Martin was also just another thing that kind of stands out because uh, I was definitely at like my fattest when we shot that. Awesome. Uh, that's why. That's why we. That's why we hired you. Yeah, you were like, let, let's fucking let's take advantage of this bell curve. <laughs> exactly. Um, I remember Ryan. Ryan Martin cooked up a nice barbecue, like almost on every oh. shoot. Oh well, that's nice of him. I don't remember that, but uh, yeah, that's great. <laughs> I, he, uh, I probably we, ate it all before. Barbecues were pretty cheap. See, that's the that's the and people like barbecues. It's just that they take time. So uh, that's a great way to keep costs down when you're shooting a movie. Um, I'll tell you this. This is the the best thing that we ever did. You know how extras can be kind of expensive, sure. and your friends get really sad when you keep asking them to be an extra in your movie right. over and over again, and they hate it, and they start hating you. Well, here's the get this. For a zombie movie that I made, Dead Season, we needed hundreds of extras for one scene, and we we're like, how are we going to do this? We have no money. What are we going to do? So what we did is we just put posts on. Uh, on Reddit and like on Facebook and said, hey, if you can meet at this place, and it was actually in Compton in a metal recycling plant, uh, if you can meet here at like 8 or 7 p.m., we're going to shoot all night and we're going to give you as much beer as you want and hamburgers. We can't pay you. Right. And I think about 200 people showed up and they all came and they wanted to be zombies and they all were zombies. And we had a huge scene that looked amazing uh, for what we had and we didn't, it only cost us, you know, about probably $400 in, in beer and burgers. So. Free, free food, man. Well, I think the beer was a big thing and free we, beer. Yeah. We didn't check anybody's IDs. So who knows? We could have had 12 year olds drinking. Didn't really matter. So <laughs> shut the whole goddamn thing down. Oh, uh, why not? We so, also were shooting guns in there. We didn't have any permits for that. So, Oh yeah. my God. Yeah. <laughs> so, 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 what was your uh, what was your final opinion of Psycho Sleepover? Do you even have one? I mean, do you do you finally form opinions on these films, or do you just move right on? Uh, I haven't watched it in a long time. I I, I remember liking it when I edited it, but I, I don't really know now. It's a good laugh, I, man. It's it the, the reviews that I've seen, I kind of agree with, which that they're like, well, you basically, you know, you go into the movie expecting um, sort of normal trauma fare. And what you get is this kind of this comedy in it that, um, you know, that doesn't you, you didn't really expect this very kind of aware comedy um, uh, that's really funny throughout. And, and almost all the performances work. And it, yeah, I, I, you know, a lot of people dig it. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I, I, rem- I actually to, to tell you the truth, I remember uh, when I was editing it, I thought that the movie was very tedious, to tell you the truth. Really? I remember. Yeah, I thought it started out really good. I, I'm actually remembering now. And then I thought, like, it just turned into like so many people getting killed that I started cutting scenes out of people getting killed and trying to shorten it. And I still, I remember when I was done, I was like, ah, I wish we'd cut out more of these deaths, even though that's what people want to see in a way. 
I just thought it got kind of boring at the end. Cause you just see one after another, after another person getting killed and you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> so I think that was my opinion on it. So yeah. I haven't watched it since, but maybe, uh, maybe I'll check it out again. You should revisit it. Um, yeah, no, you're making sense. Uh, I'm finding that lately with, you know, even just like the biggest blockbusters, I'm, I'm finding that even kind of like the most simple audience member is like, you know, take the, the Avengers, for instance, you enjoy the moments where they're all standing around in a room talking and making you laugh a lot more than you enjoy watching them fight really expensive CG. Well, yeah, because it doesn't look like anything. It's just right. like they're just on green screen. Yeah. Yeah. It's and, pretty boring. And you, but that's supposed to be the most exciting shit. And yet yeah, it's not exciting at all. Yeah. They're, they're <laughs> st- them standing around in a room talking is way more exciting. Well, I didn't see the Avengers, but I did see Iron Man three, which mm. I thought was horribly boring. Yeah. But, uh, I did, and the thing that everybody hated was, I guess, the little boy in the movie during the second act, and I thought it was hilarious. I thought everything that he was, that Robert Downey Jr. was saying to him was the best part of the movie, uh, although I didn't think it was needed to be in the movie. I thought it shouldn't have been in there, but uh, it was the best part of it, and yeah. when, when there's just CG suits flying around that don't make any sense, I was just like falling asleep, so I don't know. Yeah, you might as well watch a cartoon or something. Yeah, like that. yeah. Um, I'd much, much rather would. So <laughs> I much rather would. So yeah. uh, so I I like to think that um that after Psycho Sleepover uh so it, it, Dead Season is that the because I've never seen the film but is that the that's the title? Uh, Dead Season is the yeah I think that was the next movie I made yeah I made that in two thousand November of two thousand nine. I like I, I like to I mean that I mean having seen the trailer it looks like a big big kick up in terms of budget. So we got to hear the story about how you go from one $1,500 movie after another to that. Well, that movie did not have a big budget, just so you know, you just made it, you just did a good job of making it look that way. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, but, uh, no, basically what that was, it's kind of a long story. So just cut me off if you get bored Uh, (laughs) or just edit it out. Um, I met somebody, um, on an internet dating site, uh, and I went on a date with her. And it turned out that she did movie stuff. And she's like, oh, my gosh, you make movies, blah, blah, blah. I was like, yeah. And she said, I really want to make a movie on an island. And I was like, yeah, that sounds great. And she's like, well, I can get all this money. Let's make a movie. And we're like, okay. So I talked to my partner, Enzo, um, who uh, he produces everything with me now. And uh, we're like, hey, let's make a movie that takes place on an island. So we, me and Enzo wrote a script. Uh, with Adam Alamut, the star of uh, Yeti and, uh, gosh, Street Team Massacre and uh, one of the co-stars of uh, Psycho Sleepover. Yeah, he's in Psycho, yeah. Yeah, and so we made we wrote the script, and it was a comedy uh, about people stranded on a deserted island, um, which someday I hope we still make, because what, what this leads to is we didn't make that movie. Right. Um, so anyway, we wrote the script, and we really liked it, and... Uh, then we go on a location scout. So me and this girl and Enzo go on a location scout. We go to Vieques, Puerto Rico. Um, it's an island in the Bermuda Triangle um, on the uh, east coast, off the east coast of Puerto Rico. Um, it's a nuclear, uh, not nuclear. It's a army testing uh, site. It's the most gorgeous island I've ever been on. But it's uh, they tested depleted uranium and phosphorus and bombs and they all nukes, all kinds of stuff there. Um, it was given to, uh, <laughs> this is where the long part of it is. Cause this is very interesting actually, mm-hmm. but <laughs> just bear with me. Um, but anyway, it was given, uh, to America by Spain as a gift. Um, and we just bombed the crap out of it. Uh, but there's a lot of people that live there. So half the Island is a military testing facility and the other half people live there. It's got the highest cancer rate in the entire world. Mm-hmm. Um, this Island, Every, a lot of people go there and die. Uh, it's very, very sad, but 
a lot of protests happened and they stopped doing the bombing. So now they have to clean up the island. So the military, every well, we were actually shooting there and on, on our location scout, they would every like Thursday, they would just gather up as many bombs as they could and just blow them up in the ocean just to get rid of them. And there's landmines everywhere. So we had to be very careful as to where we went because, okay. um, yeah, everything would blow up. Anyway, we get there. And here's the point. Here's the point of the story. <laughs> the point is that when we get there, the um, we see that there's all these military bunkers, all these abandoned buildings, half blown up buildings, all and, and gorgeous beaches. And we're like, we can't shoot a deserted island movie here. We got to use all these military bunkers, these underground tunnels. It was crazy. So what did we do? This is a month before we're shooting. We decide, no, let's make a zombie movie. So we're on the island and we write the script. Uh, we write the treatment for the script in a day. Um, and during pre-production, we say, okay, everybody, we're not making comedy anymore. We're making an action zombie movie. Yeah. And they're like, uh, but it's a month away. And we're like, who cares? We're doing it. So we did. Uh, and we wrote the script while we were doing pre-production and while we were on set, which is also why you will notice when watching the movie that it is a very disjointed movie and it could be a lot better. But it's, uh, you know, we did the best we could and we knew that we had to make a zombie movie. And uh, anyway, but the girl who said she could get us all the money, she didn't get any money. So we had to pay for it out of our own pockets and get somebody else to invest in the movie. Um, it was a big disaster. We got in a huge fight with her. She uh, and I blew up her car. Uh, I set it on fire. Um, so that's how that ended. But yeah, we got to make the movie and we had to do it uh, with our uh, with our own thing. The car set, setting on fire uh, was uh, uh, it's a whole other story. You can ask a question about that if you want. <laughs> did, did, uh, I mean, well, the main question is, did you blow it up for the movie or did you blow it up out of spite? <laughs> Uh, out of spite for the movie, under the guise of the movie. Okay. Yes. Um, no, she bought a pass van uh, for the movie, um, and uh, it was our, our crew was in it, and our crew hated this van because it was a death trap. And we're like, why did you buy such a shitty van? And she's like, well, it's the only thing I could find, and blah, blah, blah. You know, there's many sides to the story. Anyway, at the end of the shoot, she said, I'm going to keep the van because I'm going to stay on this island and live here. And we're like, what? I was like, but we paid for it. You didn't pay for it. She's like, yeah, but I want to keep it, and you're not going to use it. And I was like, why not? Why can't we just sell it back? She's like, well, it barely works. I have to fix it. And I was like, well, why don't we just blow it up? And she was like, why would you blow it up? And I was like, because it's in the script. And she goes, no, it's not. And that night in the script, me and Enzo wrote a scene where the somebody throws Molotov cocktails at the van and blows up a bunch of zombies. So we brought, we called the fire department on the island and we said, hey, can we drive this car out to the jungle and blow it up and fill it with gasoline? And they said, sure. And they brought their fire truck over for free. And we filled it with gasoline and threw Molotov cocktail at it and it blew it up. Holy fuck. And, well, we all cheered. That was the last thing we shot in the movie. And uh, everybody drank rum while we blew it up. And uh, that was pretty much it. And she, I think she cried a little, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> but we got now we got a, a car blowing up in the movie. And it's still in the jungle. You guys can go to Vieques and just find a, a burnt a burnt van in the jungle. Oh, wow. So, I mean, yeah. it's, 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 it, the, you know, again, just going off the trailer, it's a fantastic looking movie. Uh, in, and you're, uh, obviously your DP did a great job and you had a great location. You had a lot of extras, a lot of makeup. Um, yeah, it yeah. Looked, looked pretty sharp. Cool. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, it's doing really well. It was the number two movie on Netflix for like weeks and weeks and weeks in a row. It was only, it was only second to a Will Ferrell movie. Thank, so thank God for Netflix, huh? That, that like, cause you know, without, a distribution platform like Netflix where people are just trying stuff out and it's a lot more, um, I don't know. Pe people are a lot more browsy. Um, yeah. You know, would a movie like dead season ever really get watched, uh, especially in that capacity? 
I probably not. I mean, it did really well in Europe and stuff, but uh, mm. on DVD. But yeah, on Netflix. I mean, you can find it on Netflix. It's on instant streaming, and uh, oh great, yeah, it's got you know more. It's I mean, it's more reviews and watch uh, things than a lot of studio movies. Yeah, so yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty interesting. I don't know why that happened. I think it's because our box art is very eye catching. Um, and it just says dead season. You know exactly what it is. It looks like an island. It looks like a zombie movie. And you're like, hmm, I like zombies. I like islands. Let's watch this movie. Yeah. And it also looks kind of like the remake of Dawn of the Dead's cover. So people might get confused a little bit and watch yep. it because of that. So either way, people are watching it. So yeah, I'm looking good. at it right now. It, it even has sort of a Walking Dead, uh, the, the the text. and um... Yeah, it's like ex- almost exactly the same. Uh, the thing that was interesting, though, is uh, it came out in France first and it got put up on uh, – torrent sites uh like within a you know with months before it came out in america right. and in i think one week it got uh we saw that it got downloaded and uh over one million times so do you think that, that was, do you think that the the amount of torrents uh helped the business of the film absolutely, in the end? absolutely yes i think that that was a huge part of it people knew what it was it was on imdb you know how they have those rating systems yeah um it was the number it was number 33 on imdb Right, and it hadn't even been distributed. Yeah, it was 33 out of, what, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of things. It was ahead of Big Bang Theory. Wow. And, you know, whatever that Charlie Sheen show. What's the Charlie Sheen show? Oh, Two and a Half Men? Yeah, it was ahead of that, and those things are real popular, you know? So I think we were ahead of Thor as well. That's insane. Yeah, I don't know. It's because of the torrents. So, um, yeah, that was pretty crazy. Yeah, they're Um, they're not all bad, are they? No, I actually was at a I was at a a bar uh, that uh, one night a cup I don't know six months ago, and I overheard somebody talking about Dead Season behind me. It was so strange, and they were like, "Oh yeah, I, I saw this movie Dead Season, and blah blah, blah. it was pretty good." And I turned around, and I, I said, "Hey, you know, hey, my name's Adam." He's like, "Hey man," and I was like, "Oh, I really like horror movies too." He's like, "Yeah, I'm a big horror movie guy." And I was like, "What movie are you talking about?" He's like, "Oh, this zombie movie called Dead Season. It's not out yet." And I was like, "Oh, where'd you see it?" And he's like, "Oh, I torrented it." And I was like, "Oh, that's cool. I directed that movie." And he went, "What?" I was like, yeah, my name's Adam Dio. I, I directed Dead Season. He's like, no, you didn't. And I was like, yeah, it's this and this and this. And I explained it. And he's like, oh, my God, I am so sorry. And then he uh, ended up buying me and my girlfriend like five, four drinks each. He could have easily spent, you know, he easily spent $40 on us when he could have just. Uh, what was yeah. he saying? Was he saying nice things about the movie? Yeah, he was. He was saying that he really liked it. So what the hell and- was he apologizing about? For, for downloading it. Oh, oh, you must have been, yeah, but he doesn't know that you're, like, loving it. Yeah, no, I love, no, now we're really good friends, actually. Oh, he's that's a, awesome. He's a really good friend of mine now. <laughs> so he's actually, he's probably going to help produce one of my next movies. So. Fuck yeah, man. How, th- that is so goddamn cool. Yeah, and he was just a guy at the bar that was talking about how he downloaded my movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, uh, uh, so, <laughs> after that, um, you got to take us up to Birdemic 2. Now, I'll tell you this. And I'll tell the I'll tell the listeners this as well in case they don't know. Um, Birdemic for anyone who doesn't know, Birdemic one um, has a little bit of notoriety or quite a bit of notoriety, depending on who you ask, for being kind of uh, uh, one of the more popular, currently more popular, like so bad it's good kind of movies on Netflix. It's quite, kind of a Netflix sensation. And um, uh, when I talked to Kurt and I was like, "Hey, I'd love to get Adam to talk on the podcast," every time I mentioned it, he goes. You have to. He's producing Birdemic 2. And he just kept saying that over and over again. So he's really keyed into the Birdemic thing. So bring us from Dead Season to Birdemic 2, The Resurrection. 
Yes, that is the what it's called. Um, I did another movie in between that uh, called One Chance to Dance. It's a teen dance film. Uh, the reason why I did that is uh, my friend Jake wrote it, um, who is one of my best friends, and he they didn't have a director for it. And he's like, "Do you want to direct this?" And I was like, "No, are you kidding me? I'm not going to direct a teen dance movie." And then I thought about it, and I was for about ten seconds, and I was like, "Actually, no, I need to do this." So uh, I made a G-rated dance movie that's hopefully coming out pretty soon. We're just finishing the, the the sound mix on it right now but uh that's a lot of wor- that's a lot of work for like almost like a joke idea isn't it it's not a joke it's uh they were doing it very sincerely it's like a hallmark movie were you, you know, do- like, were you doing it sincerely uh-huh yeah it was uh i put some comedy in it eric goslin's in it he plays a, a yeah. we added a little funny things i mean he plays kind of a pedophile lunch man he only has one line but we definitely put him in there i also if you look very carefully in the background there's a wizard walking around in a lot of scenes but <laughs> other than that it's a hallmark movie about uh, a mom who's dealing with alcoholism and her daughter who wants to dance so was yeah. it was it another uh were you able to keep the budget low or or what were what were the circumstances bigger, it was a bigger budget yeah it was a, it was a little bit bigger than it was about twice the budget a dead season so, so what can you give us figures uh i probably shouldn't because it's not out yet uh okay. but dead season um dead season was under half a million dollars mm. and this one was also under half a million dollars but double the budget so think about that okay okay yeah perfect <laughs> perfect that's that's excellent yeah uh so yeah, you can go wherever with that but yeah i i can't talk about it just because of uh because of distribution crap, yeah, you know they, yeah. they don't allow you to talk about it, and then I can get I can get sued. Isn't that great, film industry? <laughs> so, <laughs> well, that, that, I don't think I, I don't think I get sued, but I can get in trouble. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, people will will slap me on the wrist. So. It's my job to try to try to get you to tell me. Yeah, I can talk about all the other movies though, all those other ones. Those are those are cheap, but um, so I can talk about those because those are mine. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, you know, but when other people buy your movie, then. But I'll, I'll tell you that Dead Season did really well. It was uh, we made all of our money back plus a lot of, enough to make more movies. So it was it went really well. It's fantastic. So, yeah, it's awesome. So, so do, do you still? Um, I remember you kind of made a lot of these movies under the what was it the Brat Pack? Um, uh, 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 Pratt Rat. Pratt Rats. I'm sorry. Um, yeah. uh, did you ever kind of turn that into an LLC and have a little money coming in that way, or how how did you you know, or is that just kind of what you call yourself? Uh, we have a different LLC now. We're called Very Important Productions. Mm-hmm. Um, that's our comedy wing, and our horror wing is called Flynn Forest Productions. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are LLCs that uh, we have here in in LA, and we are making a bunch of things. So which I'll get into after, I guess afterwards. But we have a bunch of things coming up. So we're going right into production on a couple things. So so Trey Trey Parker and Matt Stone they just. Uh, founded. Their, yeah, their I know we did ours right before them, and then they're like announced important productions. They're like, oh, I guess we're more important than them because we're very important. <laughs> well, you know, but that, was, it's, that, it's, su- that sucks, though. We were like, oh no, now people are going to get confused and think we did it on purpose, but we didn't. Yeah, yeah, didn't. Well, you know, but, well, you're you're lucky though because I I read something where they they very closely called it very important. Very closely called it. No, so they they. I'm just talking like a retard, but no, they they they, they came very close. To, to being calling it that, yeah, they they thought it was. Well, they couldn't have because we already had it. So that's I'm not sure if that, I'm not sure if that was the, you know they might not have looked into it that far, but they they mused at the idea of calling it uh, very important. Uh, well, maybe I now I can talk to them and be like, "Yo, what do we do now?" <laughs> so um, let's join forces. We'll make uh, Cannibal the Musical too. <laughs> <laughs> a love story. Like, no, get away from me. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah um, so, so, uh, uh, Birdemic 2, you were, you, so, oh, yeah. you're, so fin- you're finishing up the dance film. 
Yeah, and so we went to the American film market. I went there to meet Matt to go back to the trauma guy who did special effects on Mental Dead and released Yeti, um, which oh, also Street Team Massacre is coming out in August, um, but which is kind of fun, finally. Who's, but, put, uh, who's putting it out? Trauma. Yeah. Trauma's doing it. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, but I went to go meet Matt and Lloyd because uh, we were going to shoot that thing that I mentioned before with Neville Dean uh, of a car crash for uh, cla- Return to Class in Newcomb High. But I get there. And I run into a friend of mine named Scott, who was the original producer, and very strange to go back to everything else, the guy who was producing Cannibal Soup, the movie where Roddy Piper was going to play a swinger. Um, Very strange. And I just run into him at the American Film Market. Uh, And we start talking, and he's like, yeah, I'm working on uh, Birdemic 2. We're trying to, you know, do some stuff with it. And I was like, oh, what's going on with that? He's like, well, it's already shot, um, and we're just, you know, they're finishing it up. He introduced me to the guy who was producing it, and... Well, he really, we really got along really well. And he said, well, I'd really like you to see Birdemic, too. And so um, he brought it to my office. We had to watch it in secrecy, just the two of us, <laughs> like in a room. And it was the funniest thing I'd ever seen in my life. And I said, this can't be real. He can't have done it twice. Turns out it is. It's completely real. What we ended up doing is then James Nguyen, uh, the director of Birdemic 2, came into my office and we did the, you know, the final cut of the movie. So what we did basically is how it worked and how you can have people who know that a movie's bad make a movie that's sincere Mm. is that you let the director do whatever he wants. So no matter what asinine thing he asked for, we did it. And we didn't do anything ourselves. We didn't say, well, this scene's too long or this is not funny enough. Let's put a more hammy thing here. No, we just did what he told us. So we just acted as editors. And we sat there and we edited with James and he made the craziest movie I've ever seen. And for, if you think Birdemic 1 is boring and crazy, this is way more boring and way more crazy. Birdemic <laughs> uh, 2, it's cr- insane. And James is the nicest guy ever. But he's a nut. He's a total yeah. nut. And uh, he'll be the first to admit it. But he, he is not like a, he's not a normal her- human being, you know. And he doesn't speak English that well either. So what he says don't, doesn't, really, uh, doesn't really make a lot of sense. So you have to interpret a lot, you know, so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and were you, um, not to ask you uh, tough to answer budget questions again, but uh, I mean, Birdemic, bad or good, made a lot of people, probably made a lot of people a lot of money. So they must have thrown a few bucks at Birdemic 2. Uh, Birdemic 2 was not the same company. Uh, Severin oh. released the first Birdemic. Uh, Birdemic 2, we did ourselves. So uh, Jeff, the producer, raised the money for it. Uh, which is uh, 40 times the budget of the first one. Mm-hmm. It looks exactly the same, if not worse, than the first one, though, <laughs> which, is the, which is a weird thing. I guess people just got paid. I don't really know. Yeah. But um, that's how it went. And, um, you know, uh, I made the poster for it and with with Enzo and stuff like that. But uh, And then we just set up a, a tour. Uh, our first screening of the movie was a complete disaster. But uh, other than that, it's been received very, very well. People love the movie, so um, we're really excited. But a lot of people don't believe that it's real. And I don't know how we'll ever get that across to people to say, no, it, it's, it's a real deal. This is a, not a you know, satirical thing. This is a real movie So that James made. What a fucked vision. up problem to have. Yeah, I know. People are saying it's so bad. There's no way someone could make a movie this bad. And they're like, well, they did. It's like <laughs> so. you're, you're watching it. <laughs> yeah, uh, the only way that I think I can prove prove it is if uh, I release the script. So uh, that's one thing that uh, I, I'm toying with uh, is seeing if we can 
get the script out there because it is the craziest screenplay you will ever read. <laughs> it is somewhere James heard that one page equals a minute, right? Mm, yeah, right. You know, so all the people out there who uh, hear this, you know, usually you say like one page of screenplay is roughly a minute of film. It's it's give, give or take depending on action or not, but that's pretty much it. So James will write scenes in the script that'll say uh, there's a scene in the movie where it's three and a half minutes long of a guy singing. That's all that happens. And then some people dancing and it cuts to two shots. There's two different shots and it goes on for three and a half minutes in the script. It says that it says the guy who's singing, his name's Damien Carter. It says Damien Carter sings the song born to be a star. That's all it says on the page. You turn the page. Blank page. It says, it says Damien Carter continues to sing born to be a star. You turn the page. It says Damien Carter continues to sing born to be a star. You turn the page and it says Damien Carter finishes singing born to be a star and starts singing another song. And then you go on for that for another two pages. Then it <laughs> oh, says, shit. then the main characters are, you know, uh, I can't remember the characters in the movie, but the actors' names are TJ and Chelsea. It says, TJ and Chelsea make love. You turn the page. TJ and Chelsea continue to make love. You turn the page. TJ and Chelsea finish making love. That's the screenplay. Wow. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> and he's the one who has to direct it. He's the one who has to put it on screen. So and he does, and he thinks that it's great. Yeah. So. I'm lo I'm loving the there's a critic review you put on the poster, entertaining as shit, ten high fives up. Yeah, so, I can't remember is that from Fangoria. Or? That one's Dread Central. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. So we had a screening for those guys and uh, to ask for for quotes. Believe it or not, that's how you you, you get quotes is you ask people for them. Isn't yeah. that interesting? Yeah, you just stand <laughs> around you need recording. The, yeah. You need their permission because you can't just put somebody's quote on your poster. Right. A little uh little inside information there for you. Yeah. But. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, it's been going really well. Like I said, the the first screening was a disaster because the producer and the director got in a fight on stage during the Q and A. So uh, other than that, though, <laughs> it was everything's been going really well. <laughs> did you bring any of your resources to that movie? Like, did you bring any of your guys or your crew or anything? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Actually, we uh, just for post. You know, we had uh, my sound guy did it, uh, special effects guys did it, but they were under James's guidelines. <laughs> which is very different and they were very confused as to like you don't like james is like you know like this is when james said something was fine i said don't touch it he's like yeah but i, I you know the audio drops out and then he would ask james james do you want this like this and he goes yes very good it's very good mm -hmm. and he goes okay you know so he's like i don't know if i want a sound mixer credit but okay um and the special effects guy uh he's like can i just have a special thanks because this is the worst ever and i'm like i was like you did exactly what james wanted you to do he goes i know but okay <laughs> you know so but you'll also be able to see there's a cameo of yeti a love story in uh in birdemic 2 really yes uh they he walks uh the main character walks past the man the man's chinese theater in hollywood and we had to replace uh what was up there which was i think journey to the center of the earth part two with the mm -hmm. rock um, and we covered it over with a Yeti Yeti poster. Genius. So as he walks by, uh, the man's Chinese theater is playing Yeti a love story. Well, so. nobody can say that you weren't that uh, you weren't an accommodating producer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we... <laughs> you you wanted to see the director's vision through. Exactly, and mm -hmm. uh, but no, it's very hard for people to believe that. Yeah, they just don't get it. You know, they 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 don't understand that. You know, they think, oh, this is complete completely false, and the. You know, whoever gave the money and the producers, it's it's I, I don't know how to tell people you're I like, it's anything but false. Exactly. It's just and it's, it, it actually is kind of sad to hear when people say this isn't real. Yeah, because you're like, oh, if you only knew.
because this is this movie really is the pinnacle of bad filmmaking. You're you like, know? this is very much James's vision. Exactly, and that's yeah. also what's very interesting about it is it's so inspiring because even a movie that is technically so awful, it is the most entertaining movie you'll ever see, and you can say, well, if James can make a movie, so can I. Yeah, I think it's. I think it's incredibly inspiring. People also say like, oh, look, everybody's making fun of James. And yeah, people are making fun of James, but we're not making fun of James. We love James and James is doing and James loves us and we're, we hang out and he doesn't think that he's doing a bad job. And I don't think he's doing a bad job. I think he's not a very skilled filmmaker. I think he never will be. I really don't think he will ever because of just the way he acts on set and how he carries himself. However, he does make the most entertaining movies I've ever seen. Well, he's definitely an artist. Exactly. He's yeah. uh, what do they call outsider art. Right. You know, so um, he's uh, I think he's fantastic. And uh, I hate when people make fun of him. But when it's laughing with the movie, you know, James knows that people are making fun of him. And he actually gets very defensive about it. He thinks he did a really great job. And again, I think he did do a great job for what he's able to do. Um, but he'll never he'll never make Lincoln. You know what I mean? Yeah. Not that I not that I saw Lincoln, but I assume it's I assume it's very nice. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it reminds me of just a little bit of uh, I'm you know I I I'm sure that Tommy Wiseau is a very different kind of character than James is. But my 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 feelings on Tommy Wiseau's, Wiseau's The Room has always been. Um, you know, I I think a lot of people kind of realize that what's what makes it so great is that they were trying to make an awesome movie, and yes. what they ended up with was that. And for that reason, like, yeah, I'm cracking up the the whole way, but I'm really I, I I don't know how to describe like I'm not laughing at anyone. I'm enjoying the film. I like the room more than I like good movies. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And but I I think you know you are laughing at them. They did a terrible job. You know, but at the same time, you like that though you know what i mean but I, I you're, know, you're not you're not angry i know not, that i know that that guy who plays like mark in the movie that like kind of model looking guy like i know that he yeah. he is cracking up at that movie and like exactly. i exactly everybody's everybody kind of knows what's going on um and and i also think that like the, the the certain kind of flavor of badness that the movie is is kind of a miracle um like there there it is oh, so absolutely. it's so hard to do that yeah you can't it's again you can't do it on purpose that's the thing that you know people are saying about birdemic too it's like oh they're doing it on purpose and you can't do it on purpose right i'll I give you a, a little example of how silly james is and crazy when we had a premiere we had a premiere at the man's chinese theater right, right. and it was great and we had a great time uh, this was the second premiere in hollywood and james went up on stage and he, and he says to everybody, happy birdemic. That's his line. He goes, happy birdemic, everybody. Happy birdemic. And you're like, ay, ay, ay. But then he goes, it's so honored to be here at the Chinese Man Theater. It's great to be here. I've always wanted to play a movie at the Chinese Man Theater. He called it the Chinese Man Theater. The you Chinese can't Man make that stuff up. The <laughs> Chinese Man Theater. And everybody just started cracking up. And like, is he serious? He just doesn't know that it's called the Man's Chinese Theater. Right. He calls it the Chinese Man Theater. That's what he thinks it is. <laughs> so, and, he, and uh, you know, I told him afterwards, I was like, you know, it's that. And he goes, oh, I don't know. That's okay. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I was like, all right, James. <laughs> and he thinks that seagulls are sea eagles. And he, he will not listen to you when you say that they're not sea eagles. They're called seagulls. And he goes, no, sea eagles, they're very dangerous. <laughs> I say, okay, James. This is meant to be the all man right, who I made Birdemic. I mean, he should know seagulls. 
No, he, he well, I think no, he shouldn't. He should know Sea Eagles. <laughs> oh, that's I, what the I, third one's called. It's called Birdemic Three Sea Eagles. That's what he wants to call it. It's so. a great idea. Sea Eagles, um, I'm in. Yeah, and he wants to shoot in Vietnam, which is going to be really cool. So. Are you are you gonna? Uh, I mean, are you totally serious about three? And are, are you going to be involved in that? I mean, he wants to make it. I don't know if he'll get money from anybody, but uh, maybe if the budget's a little lower, then maybe yeah, yeah, that'd be fun. Because Birdemic Two, I think, is better than Birdemic One, uh, and it's just so crazy. It's the first time I've seen people give a standing ovation for an establishing shot in a movie. <laughs> There's a scene of a parking lot and a hotel, and it's an establishing shot, and nothing's moving in the shot. It's just cars sitting there in a parking lot, and it goes on for something like 40 seconds. And after about 10 seconds, people start getting upset. After about 20 seconds, people start laughing. After about 30 seconds, people start standing up clapping. Because it's just, who would put an establishing shot that's 40 seconds long? Right. And I told James in the editing room, I was like, you want this? He goes, yes, very nice. You have to establish the shot. I was like, I know what it's for, James. But are you sure you want it like this? Yes, yes, this is right. I said, okay, James. <laughs> so that's how it is. It's, it sounds and like it was, has, it was actually a pretty fulfilling experience in a weird way for you. Oh, it was wonderful. It yeah. was absolutely wonderful. I, I was, because I'm, I'm such a fan of the first one. Right. It's like, it's one of my favorite things. I've watched it, I don't know, 10 times. Yeah. It's the most boring movie ever made. And, but it's so boring that it's funny. It's, it's a weird thing. I don't know how people do it, but James does it. <laughs> uh, he's so. revolutionizing uh, boredom. Exactly, exactly. And Birdemic 2 is very boring. <laughs> the opening, the uh, the opening scene is five minutes of a guy walking down Hollywood Boulevard. <laughs> so, and that's it. I that's all it. that happens. He just walks there. He just walks and walks. And yes, in the script, it does have five pages of him walking. So. <laughs> just blank pages again, or like, just so you know, he's still walking. Turn the page. Still walking. That's what it says. Yeah, yeah. That's what it says. So, so um, how he wanted it. So you've already hinted towards uh, uh, the new production companies you've opened up, but but please tell us uh, yep. what's going on. Uh, we just wrapped on uh, seasons two and three of uh, uh, one of the most one of the most popular scripted uh, YouTube series. This is called uh, Oishi High School Battle. Yeah, um, it's a uh, it's a uh, half it's a hybrid anime. It's like Who Framed Roger Rabbit. It's real people interacting with a girl for a demon slayer from outer space at a high school. And she, her father is banished to Glendale in California. And mm -hmm. so it's about her dealing with uh, high, normal high school, but like she's an anime girl. So I just directed uh, 20 episodes of it and uh, we just finished yesterday and it's going to be really fun. And there's tons of, uh, all the all the other characters come back from the first season and it's going to be fun. I think the first season has like probably almost 20 million views. So it's I don't know what that means in in in, in anything, but it's like kind of impressive, I guess. Yeah, so um Yeah, so we're pretty excited about this new one and we're just uh, starting post production on Monday. So Awesome. We're super excited. Um then uh we're doing three horror films back to back to back, which we just got funding for. So um, we're just finishing uh, writing them. Uh, we're on our like third drafts of each movie, and uh, we're really excited about those. And I'm doing a um, period piece movie uh, that I'm producing that I'm not directing. Uh, my friend Hawk is producing it. He also produced uh, Flight of the Navigator, if you ever saw that movie. Mm -hmm. And uh, we're doing a, um, a pre-World War II uh, drama. So uh, about... Uh, 
mostly concerned about exit visas and things like that. It's a very serious film. So that, that's going to be – we're really excited about that. We're shooting that in uh, September, I believe. The back-to-back so horror movies, are, are they an anthology? Uh, they are very similar films, but they have nothing to do with each other. I see. They are very similar in type and tone. I, I'm not going to talk too much about them just because I hate – announcing things before we're you know before yeah. they're in production in case something goes wrong but uh yeah we're really excited about them and i'm re- i really like the scripts a lot and it's they're really they're really fun and so i'm excited to be making three movies so that'll be really exciting are, are you doing- and we're gonna go and one of them we're going back to puerto rico so i'm oh. really excited to film in puerto rico again are so. you are you directing all three are you dire- how many of these are you directing versus producing um i'm directing at least one if not two and producing all three very cool. So, so yeah, you're, you're, you're just spinning a lot of plates as usual. Yeah, we're just, you know, we were really lucky that Dead Season did so well because otherwise we would have had to, you know, stop making movies. And we actually finally had a hit um, after all this. And it was very, very, I'm very grateful for that. We didn't know what was going to happen, especially since we didn't get any of the funding. We had to put in our own money. We were like on the island, basically. And we we're like, well, do we put in every bit of our savings and put everything on credit cards or not make yeah. the movie and we did and it was the stupidest thing i've ever done but it turned out to be the best thing i ever did yeah because then we, we were investors on it so we actually got paid right. so it was it was unreal it was it was literally the stupidest thing we've ever did did but what are we going to do not make the movie you yeah. know it's that kind of thing yeah we're already it, there we already you know if, so. if you hadn't come from that background of like what are we going to do not make the movie which is everything that preceded that that was your attitude and it turned into something that actually turned a profit, a, ma- a major profit that's, exactly. that's enabled everything thus far. Right. And uh, we'd love to make a sequel to it, too. You know, so that's another thing that we have uh, written out. It's just somebody will give us uh, money. I know that they'll make money off of it because the first one did so well. So we just need to we need to really get on that. So, oh, also, we're doing some other web series, too. Um, but uh, that's that's basically how we, you know, or pay the bills and we, we we finally got a couple employees to to help us and you know so hopefully things are picking up uh, as the industry plummets we're hopefully gonna <laughs> yeah, yeah. try and get or get around that somehow so <laughs> i'll tell you this much we're never gonna make a big movie but uh we don't we're okay with that you know so yeah because we don't need to make iron man 3 so but, well, right uh, i mean that's the thing is like the, the, it, at this point there's there's really tiny movies and there's really big movies and there's not a lot in between exactly exactly uh, there's not much of a market um, for anything in between i know it's just it, it, it would be nice to just it just doesn't make sense to make a million dollar movie you yeah. know it's just like how are you going to get that money back you just it's very difficult gonna. but you know um the other things we want to do, I really, really, really want to make a, an all-out action film, and it's very hard to do that on a low budget. So I'm trying to figure out how to how to work that uh, into the into the agenda as well. So yeah. something that we already wrote, and then some dramas, you know. So uh, yeah, the other thing that I've been working on is a uh, uh, I take care of uh, my my girlfriend's uncle. Um, he has Down syndrome, and uh, I mean her. She's she's her, his caretaker, and we take care of him. And uh, I've been filming him a lot lately, and we actually wrote a script that he was going to star in, but he he actually got very sick and was unable to do it. But um, I'm really interested in doing movies. Uh, He's okay, but um, I'm very I'm very interested in in doing uh, uh, that movie still. And uh, I just need to find uh, somebody with Down syndrome to play the part if he can't do it. But uh, it's been, you know, we want to do 
I think that, that kind of stuff you can do for no money. You can do it for like $10,000 mm-hmm. um, just as long as you, you know, because you do need to pay some of the other people and the caretakers to, to do it. And the insurance sure. is insane for people with disabilities. But um, those are the kind of things that I think could do really well and, and be very helpful. And so we've been working on that for a long time now. So we're trying to trying to do something with that. So we're all over the place, really. I mean, so, that's the thing is like every, everything is a niche market now. Everything is um, uh, smaller audiences, but more intimate, um, more interested audiences. I mean, in, in a yeah. world in a world where like every um, even the sort of medium sized online distributors, they all produce original content. All that means is that like you can form little audiences that love you and will pay to watch you. And, um, and really the only thing beyond doing that is making super broad stuff that costs hundreds of millions of dollars. Um, I think the uh-huh. age of the kind of like the mid nineties, you know, uh, Miramax indie film age is, is long gone. The, the idea that like a movie could be made for a million to $10 million and make a hundred million dollars back. It's not happening anymore. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there's always you can never say never, but it's you know it's very unlikely. You know, uh, a movie that I uh, I helped with uh, uh, that we that was made for around six hundred thousand um, dollars. I did uh, script doctoring for it and everything, and uh, with uh, and uh, scheduling for it. So nothing much, but it was a huge hit, and it was a, it was made for you know under a million dollars, and yeah. it went to Sundance, and it got sold for over six million dollars at Sundance and it went to the theaters and it was a pretty big movie and it was nominated for an Academy Award. And, uh, and even then, you know, <laughs> the producers and directors aren't really making anything. Well, they probably, they probably had to, uh, the, the cost of promoting the thing probably dwarfed what they yeah, were exactly. making. Yeah. It was called the, the, the sessions. I don't know if you saw that. Yeah. Movie. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. No, it's the hell, the Helen Hunt movie, right? Yep. 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 Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, my, my, a bunch of my friends made that movie and, uh, I thought it was a great movie too, it is. but it's like you, you watch that movie and you say like, who is this movie for? <laughs> you know, like who you can't, you don't really, it's a sex movie about a disabled person. Okay. So you're not really going to watch it with your mom. You're not <laughs> going to watch it with your girlfriend. Kids aren't going to watch it. Old people probably won't. I don't really know who it's for. Well, that's, that, that's, why, that's, why, that's why I say, say what you want about the Academy Awards. Take it, take as big a shit on the Academy Awards as you want, but they, they offer kind of another promotional opportunity for movies that otherwise don't have audiences. You know, they, they're, they're almost there just to give some screen time to movies that are just plain good and not necessarily fit an audience or fit a niche. Right. Well, I mean, my favorite, I don't know. That's I, I, something to- I mean, we have very similar tastes, Frankie, but uh, my favorite movie of last year was Amor, uh, and that got nominated for Best Picture and yeah. all stuff, and I'm very surprised. It, Who would have it, seen it? It, it was my favorite. Yeah, I, I, exactly. I saw it, uh, oh, I don't know, because that director is one of my favorite directors. Yeah, he's but, awesome. Um, so I saw it the, the day it came out, but mm-hmm. um, it was one of those things where it just blew my mind, that movie, and I'm so happy that they, it got acknowledged, and I can't, couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. I was that actually made me very happy. Yeah. So wish right. it won everything. It should have won everything, but it didn't. So. <laughs> <laughs> so you have you have oh, so well. much you have so much stuff to keep up with. Um, if if people wanted to see the next thing going on, other than monitoring your IM, you know, constantly refreshing your IMDb page as more things pop up, um, where can people check you out? I don't know. 
Uh, you can give me a call. I don't know. <laughs> I have Facebook, <laughs> but like, I don't use it very often. <laughs> do you do you do you have a website or anything like that, or or are you just kind of scattered all over the internet? I don't know. I don't know. I don't I don't go on the internet too often. It it, it makes me nervous. Oh wow. So, wow. Uh, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I, I guess we have a company website. I don't know if it's up right now. Uh, Enzo's en- been dealing with it, not me. So. Yeah, yeah. I don't okay. know. <laughs> All right, well, fuck that. So, uh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> that's fine. Um, you're 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 doing fine without my plugs. Um, Adam Dio, ladies and gentlemen, a good guy, the kind of artist that you need in the world who just keeps making shit. And uh, and and thank you so much for talking to me. It was so good to talk to you again. It's really nice to talk to you, too, uh, and hopefully I'll see you sometime. Well, actually, I can't see you. We're doing this over Skype, everybody, so I can see him. Yeah. So it's very nice. He's very pretty. <laughs> um, and, you know, uh, uh, Kurt and I, um, we've been looking for an opportunity to just write again together. You know, I'm, I'm always making stuff anyway, but we'd love to write again together. So if you ever have a little episode of something or anything, if you're just looking for a quick writer, just toss it, toss it our way. We'll try to make it as funny as Psycho Sleepover if we can, or funnier. Oh, that'd be awesome. Hey, yeah. you would do great on Oishi. Yeah, there you Not go. Your heart, you. But, all right. All well, right, man. Is well, that th- it? Are we done? We're done. And and thank you for, for uh, we, we know how shy you were and anxious you were. We thank you for <laughs> suffering through this. Um, oh, no, it's, uh, it, was, it, was, it was a pleasure, as people say on the radio and on things when they really don't mean it. So, on yes. things, yeah. Um, <laughs> Adam, it was awesome talking to you, and we'll talk soon, I hope. All right. Bye, Frankie. Take care. Thank you.